Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag NBA. I was so tired. If I tried to get out of bed from Saturday the 14th through Tuesday, March 17th, I kid you not, I could not be out of bed for five minutes without needing to go back to bed and lay down. And it was that Tuesday, St. Patrick's Day, I was thinking, boy, I don't have any of the normal symptoms, but I thought to myself, it, it seems to me I should probably get tested. That's Doris Burke, ESPN NBA analyst. Now am I the only one who thinks, well, yeah, I know a lot of people who should get tested. I know somebody in Connecticut who's been waiting for a test for more than a week now. But she got tested. Now the good news is she's cleared more than two weeks without symptoms. Boston Celtic guard Marcus Smart also announced more than two weeks without symptoms. Both had tested positive for the disease, have been in isolation, but now they're two weeks with no symptoms of COVID-19. And the extreme fatigue Doris Burke talks about has been mentioned again and again by people who went to more days of medical school than me. And that would be one. Your first day of medical school would be more days than me. Utah Jazz issuing a statement Friday that all their players and staff have been cleared by the Utah Department of Health after completing their respective periods of isolation and quarantine after exposure to COVID-19. Also, Knicks owner James Dolan testing positive for the coronavirus. His club said in a statement Saturday night, Dolan, 64, is experiencing, quote, little to no symptoms, close quote, close quote, and is self-isolating. And, of course, with the NBA, and we're going to talk about this with uh, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, at 9 o'clock. Can they really get restarted in May? Mark Cuban has hinted that. One thing that's been floated has been moving everybody to one city. Have you ever been in Vegas when a couple of Conference basketball tournaments are going on at the same time. Two or three of them. Could they really put the whole league in there? Think of all the games that would have to be played. 16 games. If teams were played every other day, that'd be eight games. Can that really work? We'll talk with Steve Cleveland about some of the logistics. Once you get inside it and you sit in those meetings, you hear more about the logistics, where teams train and all that. We'll talk with Steve Cleveland about that at 9 o'clock. Hashtag college football. The Big 12 will join other Power 5 conferences in allowing virtual meetings between athletes, coaches, and staff beginning today. All virtual group activities, including film study, are limited to two hours per week in all sports, the statement said, adding that these policies will be revisited and adjusted at regular interviews. Only accountable coaches conduct virtual film study, technical discussions, tactical sessions, and other non-physical activities. Additionally, the Big 12 said that coaches can recommend written self-directed workout plans for athletes as well. PK, that's a lot of jargon right there. I know you love the jargon. Uh, you lost me. I checked out. <laughs> I thought I might. I thought I might. You know, PK, we've got the uh, we got the distance, we got the physical separation and all that. So he's on remote. I'm in the studio. We can't see each other, but it's like it's like Star Wars in the Force. I can feel it. I can feel your your head rolling back. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why the Big Twelve wasn't allowing that in the first place. That doesn't make any sense to me. Why couldn't they do virtual meetings until now? The Big Twelve bringing up the rear on technology. <laughs> okay. What is wrong with him at two weeks? Come on. Come on. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Agent Scott Boris believes the agreement reached between Major League Baseball and the Players Union sends the wrong message. That's the quote. Sends the wrong message. Close quote. Not getting a close quote out of you, huh, Yak? Not happening? All right. Uh, he says that uh, they've come to terms on possibly shortening the draft, but that limits the financial pool for amateur players. And I don't always get this uh, legal stuff and the technical stuff, PK, but anytime I know Scott Boris is against something, I know that that's going to limit revenue for players and limit his commission. You know, he came up with the plan to play the World Series, you know, right before Christmas. So I know that that's the maximum amount of money possible for the players. That's the only thing I can really, I really know when Scott Boris gets involved. Yeah, it seems like he's money driven for sure. Yeah. 
Uh, under the terms of the agreement, the commissioner has the right to shorten the 2020 draft from 40 rounds to as few as five. So there could be a lot of undrafted free agents out there. He can also short the 2021 draft to as few as 20 rounds. I'm not sure I get the logic of that, but Scott Boris doesn't like it, so now you know. All right, DJ and PK, there are the headlines. There is what is trending. Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing, 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Uh, One other headline, you probably uh, heard the news breaking yesterday afternoon. Bob Garf passing away. He was uh, was the guy behind the Utah Blitz soccer team and then the Utah Blaze indoor football team. Uh, The Garfs wrote a a huge check to support the South End Zone renovation up at the University of Utah. He's on the Utah Sports Commission and uh, also uh, was chairman of the uh, 2002 Winter Olympics and uh, decided to hire Mitt Romney when everything was was going wrong and they needed someone new to come in. Bob Garf was 77. His daughter on Facebook said it was COVID-19, but... He had influence in the uh, in the world of sports here in Utah for years and years, right up to uh, the uh, remodeling. If you haven't driven by the stadium, uh, it's underway. There's construction going up there. Construction workers are uh, working on that south end zone. They'll be working on it later today. Yeah. Uh, he was at the press conference uh, a year ago, spring ball, not this start, but the storm. Uh, what would be, uh, yeah, and then also to the Blaze. He took me down to Phoenix. Oh yeah, and yeah, they went and they took it with several of us, some media guys, to go down and watch the uh, Arizona Rattlers play to get a feel, and then we golf the next day with Danny White, and so we went down, and it was sponsored by the Gars because they were bringing the Blaze, and the funny thing is that was the weekend that Steve Cleveland decided to resign. So I'm down there and I'm working for the watchdog, but I'm representing a radio station. And the whole time I was in the press room uh, because Steve Cleveland was resigning to take the Fresno job. So I barely saw any of the game. (laughs) (laughs) Although the next day I did golf, uh, I think nine holes with Danny White. Of course, Danny White was the coach of the uh, arena team. Yes, and we were out in a course in the East Valley, out in the Mesa area. That's where Danny was from. And I sliced one so bad off the, no, I hooked it, excuse me. I hooked it so bad off the tee that it went in the middle of some fairway that was going in the opposite direction. Yeah. And at the time there, I went and looked for my ball. So somebody who's right in the middle of the fairway is wondering, what am I doing going the other direction? And of all people, it was a former University of Utah guard, Terry Preston. So, <laughs> What's Terry Preston doing there? <laughs> He's down there, I think he was golfing with his father-in-law. And so we had a little reunion and uh, because I covered him. He didn't play his senior year, but I covered him the three prior years. So we were talking, catching up. Meanwhile, my partner at the time, it wasn't Danny White. Remember a guy named Ian Fitzsimmons? Of course. He was, the, yeah. he was the guy I was golfing with. And he's wondering, what is taking that guy <laughs> so long? <laughs> is he talking to that blonde guy over there? <laughs> and so the Garfs had sponsored that trip, and we hung with them a little bit. And obviously, they were very nice people, and then spoke to them um, the prior, not this past March. Well, I guess we're still in March, but a year ago, March, when they started spring ball because the Garfs were, as you say, making a large donation to get that south end zone remodeled. And and, uh, it was badly needed because that was the one part of the stadium that has been lacking. And as you say, if you drive up, what is that, fourth south, you could see all the construction going on in the south end. I don't know the status of it with the virus. But I know the Garfs have been very generous in the community. And when I saw that yesterday, I mean, I didn't know him that uh, hardly at all, basically. I don't even know if he had any clue who I was. But nevertheless, well, I think we all feel a sense of community loss. Yeah, I, I didn't know him. I mean, just to speak to him a couple times in passing. But uh, absolutely touched a lot of people. Uh, had, had an impact in a lot of different phases of the uh, sports community. And then he did a lot of other stuff, too. So it's not just the sports community that knew him. Obviously, he ran the Garf Auto Group. He was in the uh, quorum of the 70. He was in the state legislature for uh, several years. So uh, he, he was really active on a lot of fronts. 
All right, DJ and PK, coming up this morning, Mark Harlan, Utah Athletic Director. I spoke to him for an interview that ran on KUTV, and as part of that, PK, I actually drove by. It was Wednesday of last week. I went past the stadium, and they were the construction was still going on. I, I assume they're you know, doing some things a little differently because of the virus and social distancing and all that, but you know, it's a big project. You can be working on different parts of it, and guys can be separated from each other. So uh, we talked a little bit about that. Uh, it's a two-part thing, but we'll hear part one coming up uh, in the next segment and talking as he had to tell all the spring sport coaches that their seasons were done and also spring football, can they restart it, and his worries about football in the fall uh, and then just day-to-day life. It's weird. You know, I um, my daughter, well, she doesn't anymore because everything stopped. But she is a dancer, and the dance class is in a building where I have to drive right past the University of Utah and turn on that road. That There's a road, if you're familiar with it, that's just west of the arena that goes past the tunnel. And so I go by the Huntsman Center if I have to pick her up or drop her off, and that place is either always empty when there's nothing going on at night, or... It's completely full, you know, there's a game. Or if you go by in the day, it's totally full. And it was weird driving by the other day. It was half full. I'm thinking, that's the one thing it never is. But uh, they're, they're using social distancing. He talks a little bit about that. So that's coming up next. Jordan Pendleton, owner of Pendleton Performance, former BYU linebacker. Everybody's trying to work out now. How can you work out and train now for whenever your sport comes back? Or even just to stay generally healthy. We can talk to him about that and about BYU football. And then Steve Cleveland at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Nevin Lawson joins us. Now, Nevin, my co-host Tony here, <laughs> he is really well known for being really good at voice impressions. Just for a moment, let's have a little fun here. You know John Gruden. Tony's going to do his best yeah. Coach Gru impersonation for you. I want to see uh, what, how you would grade this. <laughs> Let me get a on-the-field situation. All right, Going man. at it with the referees. <laughs> hey, listen, ref, man. Listen up, man. I mean, what, what, how do you throw a flag in that situation? I mean, he's not offsides. He's standing right there. You're standing right here. I'm offsides. I'm over here, man. You got to learn how to do your job, man. What do you think, Nevin? Could he pass? Oh, that's impressive. That's definitely impressive. (laughs) Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I I spoke to Mark Harlan last week. On, uh, I think it was Thursday, to uh, run a two-part interview on Talking Sports. First part ran last night. Second part runs tonight on KMYU Talking Sports, and they're both streaming at KUTV.com. But we thought we'd replay it here this morning. Uh, there are a lot of topics to hit on, and a lot of the basketball stuff um, we hit on in what will run tonight. But we talked a little bit about football as far as restarting the spring season and how many different plans they've got to have uh, because they kind of have an idea of what might happen, but nobody really knows what's going to happen. And the uh, trauma of uh, having to tell all the coaches it's done and where all the teams were as it all went down. He talks a little bit about that. And uh, and I start off by saying I'd seen the thing that – uh, they put out on social media where they had more than 200 staffers in a Zoom meeting. Now, lots of people are doing Zoom meetings, and actually this interview was done on Zoom. And so you're used to having three people on Zoom or 10 people on Zoom or 50, <laughs> over 200. Uh, so I talked to him a little bit about that. There's a, a new way of doing things up on the Hill. Here's uh, Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan. Well, it, it, I think we're finally setting, settling into kind of an operating rhythm. Um, you know, obviously with technology, we're far from each other, so to speak, but we're able to really communicate, I think, on a really high level. And to your point, we did. We, we had 247 people on our staff join in. Uh, I'm more amazed that people could figure out the technology with our group. But it was great to see everyone's faces and, and be able to communicate and we're seeing a lot of that through our department. Um, you know, nothing stops. We've got to keep moving forward. We, we have 575 kids that we're responsible for, student-athletes, and that's our main focus, and, and everybody's working really hard to make sure they're okay. Mark, the NCA just announced that they are going to cut the payouts this year from $600 million to $225 million. Uh, how big an impact is that going to have on the Utes? 
Well, yeah, I mean, our conference has done a great job of keeping us informed. Uh, Commissioner Scott's been having every morning we have uh, 9.30 calls with, with the uh, ADs. And so we've been briefed along the way. We didn't know the exact number until this morning, but that fell right within the range. Um, you know, we're blessed in, in, in an A5 situation to to be able to somewhat sustain that um, based on our other revenues. But uh, certainly it's it's going to be a challenge moving forward. But now that we have that information, we can better better plan and prepare. Along those same lines, we've all seen what the uh, what the Dow Jones is doing and with stocks really uh, taking a hit. Are donors pulling back? Is that going to create more financial issues for you? Well, that's going to play itself out. You know, we are right in the middle of our football renewal season. Uh, we have moved back our renewal deadline, which was going to be later this month into May. You know, we're seeing strong renewals. Um, you know, obviously they've slowed a little bit, which is understandable. Um, but, you know, as far as our major gift and our major donors, we've got no signals right now that, we're, that we have anybody that's not able to fulfill that obligation. But we're going to work with anybody uh, that we need to in that regard. What I can say overall is, uh, despite all of the, 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 the you know, concerns uh, about what's going on, people have been so also concerned about the youths and, and student athletes. And so we've had a lot of people step up and reach out and try to help. And we're very, very appreciative. Yeah, the student athletes, talking to them had to be hard. I assume especially the gymnastics team because they were undefeated. They'd won the conference regular season title. They were getting ready for the conference meet and then regionals and nationals. And who knows where their season was headed. That, that had to be a bitter pill for them. Yeah, it was, it was, it was probably the, the, the hardest part of all of this. Um, you know, this happened so fast. It was actually two weeks to the day that we're discussing this right now where, you know, it all came down really fast. We were all in you know, Vegas uh, for the basketball tournament. And, you know, we knew that, that, that their winter sports and their championships at that time were, were, in, were in trouble. Um, so Tom Barton and I spoke. We also had our skiers on the mountain competing in their championship. We had our swimmers that had just finished up in the Pac-12 championship. So I had to tell all those coaches that, listen, I, the championships are over. And, and you can just imagine the, you know, the reaction to that. They understood. They're all very smart people. But I got to tell you what was just probably the, the biggest blow of all in terms of, of what I did not know was going to happen was the announcement from the NCAA the following day that that, that the spring sports were going to be uh, you know canceled, not not a look-in date. Um, and I you know that was really unfortunate the way that was messaged, and, and I think there's been some said about that. It was a right decision as we've all learned, but to have our student athletes in the baseball and the softball and the track and don't want to forget anybody, but to have them find out in that way was, was really disappointing. But since then, we've been able to regroup and the coaches have done a great job. I've had a chance to talk to a lot of those kids and their teams and they're all coping, but they also know that everyone else is coping out there. And it's, it's just something we're all going to have to work our way through. You know, when we talk about spring sports, football is a fall sport, but you have spring football and you only got three of the 15 practices in. It seems like there's a lot of different opinions about where this might be going. Maybe you could do spring football in June before they get into the traditional July period with a strength and conditioning coach. But it seems like you'd have to have multiple plans depending on how things play out going forward. Well, we're starting to talk about that. You know, there's so many different um different paths that it could take. And so I think what we're trying to do is just focus on maybe five different ones that might make sense. You know, we start with the student athlete welfare and listening to the medical professionals and our trainers and our strength and conditioning coaches, you know, how long does it, do you need to have to have these young people in shape uh, before they enter into, let's say, you know, a, a true fall camp. And I think that's the information that we're seeking right now. And we have a lot of good people working on it. Because we have to start there, you know, how much time do you need to go? And then, you know, if you have a workable time, then we can get into fall camp and then we can look at it. But, you know, I'm like everybody else and I'm following the news, trying to trying to predict what what it could be. But, um, you know, we'll just have to figure out our way through it. But obviously the fall sports are something we're going to have to really start spending a lot of time on if this thing continues to go. So along those lines of uh, recruiting's being impacted too, and I've talked to some of the football coaches, and you know it's it's really different. I've talked to football coaches at multiple schools, and it's really different. But a couple of them indicated, you know, we're actually because 
you know, when you're traveling, there's some dead time because you're traveling. The ability to reach more kids using technology and just staying put at home. Do you think there'll be some long-term trends that come out of this and maybe alter the rules on when you can visit and when you can have, uh, you know, a, a Zoom meeting like this one with a kid? Well, I think so. I think, I think, you know, I think there'll be some things that will come out, out of this and the way we communicate is probably going to be a little bit different. Um, you know, right now we're under, we're under a recruiting dead period for all our sports up until April 15th. Um, I do expect that to be pushed back probably to, to mid to, to late May and then again re-examine. But during that period, you know, you can have social media contact uh, and certainly verbal contact over the phone with, with, with the kids. And, you know, that, that's an interesting group of, of, of folks to talk about. You know, you've got our incoming freshmen are, are you know, already signed and, and trying to figure out how we can legally communicate with them during this period, too but also the class of, of 21 and, and beyond. And I'm sure there's some anxiousness there. So I think what we're trying to do as, as an NCAA and a PAC 12 is to really clarify those rules going forward. So people understand uh, what, what the operating rhythm of the NCAA is going to be going forward. Well, we've already talked about how a revenue could could and will be limited going forward. It seems like maybe there's a chance to pair some expenses too. And there might be some people on board with that. Well, you're right. I mean, if, if, if we get into a situation where, you know, football is impacted, um, you start getting into an area that's, that's quite candidly a little bit frightening to talk about when, when primarily all of our operating, you know, uh, revenue comes from the television deals around the football program. Um, so we'll begin our modeling. You know, if, if indeed the worst case scenario happens in terms of, of not being able to, to play football, uh, because we have to, as leaders, we have to look at those different things. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, is there a recorre- is there a recorrection in all of this uh, in intercollegiate athletics? You know, who knows? I'm not one to say. Um, I just know that we have to be you know, prepared for whatever whatever comes next. So I've heard multiple uh, potential scenarios about football, and maybe you're looking at all of them. One where uh, you can't get the kids in shape to play at the start of the season in September, and maybe some non-conference games are limited. Maybe it has to be a conference-only season. Some coaches have floated that. Uh, There's another one where the coronavirus is really impacted by the summer weather, but it comes back in the winter. Dr. Fossey, who we've all seen on TV, has suggested that that might be a possibility, which means the regular season could be okay but the whole bowls and the playoffs could be in jeopardy or is everybody trying to consider all of these scenarios at the same time not knowing for sure what the truth is yeah exactly you, you just said it and we're, and we're blessed through the pac-12 and also through the, the national football oversight committee of which i serve on to have a lot of medical experts that uh will be weighing in on on all the different uh you know things that that could happen but yes we, we have to look at everything from a shortened season to perhaps playing the games without, as the, as the, the photo behind me suggests, you know, 50,000 uh, people. I mean, I think everything needs to be on the table. Um, and then, you know, you hope that one of those models is, is ones that you spend a lot of time on so you're ready to launch uh, effectively. And what I want University of Utah to do is to be a leader in the space of providing these opinions, suggestions, uh, working closely with Kyle Whittingham, his team, Jeff Rudy, Kyle Brennan, everybody that's around running our football program here so that we're providing, you know, what we think is best to the Pac-12 and to the rest of the nation. Um, but it has to start with player safety and player welfare, and then everything will fall into place from there. All right, Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan. Part one of our chat, we're going to continue this tomorrow night on Talking Sports. Going to talk to him about uh, the stadium project, which I've driven by. That is underway. And also the eligibility discussion about uh, winter athletes. Should they be able to get another year? And the impact on coaching changes, especially in basketball. we got a bunch of topics to get to. We'll talk with Mark again tomorrow night right here on Talking Sports. Mark, thanks for a few minutes. We really appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. 
There's Mark Harlan, uh, part one and part two later tonight, and uh, we'll have something on that for you uh, tomorrow morning. So, PK, you listen to all this and uh, already modeling what happens if football doesn't happen, which is our question of the day up at Facebook uh, with Kirk Herbstreet talking about how hard it'll be to put 100 guys in a college football locker room, uh, to put 50 or 100,000 people in a stadium. And so AD's got a plan for everything. Don't know what's going to happen for sure, but got a plan for everything. Yeah, obviously, there's a couple of things that jumped out at me is that when he said as far as the money and not receiving as much as they anticipated, that they're somewhat prepared. Okay, so somewhat, you know, that that's somewhat of a red flag to uh, use his very own word. So, and we already knew that too. It's not like that's any big revelation. I mean, obviously, if you're expecting a certain amount and you get less than that, and if it's a significant amount, well, that's going to potentially cause some issues we'll see how that plays out and then yeah those five things that are on the table all relative to player safety which clearly is the most important thing here and then the health of everyone else that is involved and obviously the health is you know it's probably the same thing and or maybe the health of everyone involved is uh, under the umbrella of player safety, so it's all part of the same issue there. And that's something that they have to be prepared for, or they have to, I don't know if you can be prepared for it right now, but you have to study it right now. So there's a lot of work to be done between now and whenever they decide that something is going to be done there. And it reminds me of listening to Mark speak, the same thing of Adam Silver when he spoke. You know, everything is out on the table. We're hearing that phrase now by these folks who are in charge being saying the same thing. And at this point, uh, you can see where literally everything is on the table. And they're discussing all sorts of possibilities. And then you know, you'll, you'll narrow it down. It's like a kid who's a a big stud athlete in whatever sport, whatever gender, he or she's got all these possibilities. All right, it's cool in the beginning. Not that this is cool, but, I mean, having these possibilities, you've got to narrow them down, and then they come down to a list of 10 and 5 and whatever it is, and then you make your selection and you go to that particular school. It seems like it's the same type of thing here where they've got all these possibilities that they're investigating and discussing and going back and forth, and then they'll come to a point where they'll narrow it down. Okay, we'll do, what, ABC, whatever it might be, and then go from there and have a scope and then figure out which direction they're going to go Uh, but it doesn't look like you know if I were to bet now listening to what Herb Street said the other day it seems like he's probably going to be more right than less right if that makes sense yeah it does make sense in that uh, you know there's five plans and he didn't really speak of all of them how it play out but uh, you know there's clearly a lot of issues that that a lot of smart people are worried about and people know exactly how things work you know the first thing I'll go to is oh all those guys in the locker room and you think all those guys on practice breathing and sweating on each other you know where where does that go the weight room and then but you know the coaches could take you through well buses to games and back and forth and then all the time in meeting rooms there's probably other stuff that we wouldn't think of and they're thinking about all of that impact so I guess uh, oh, yeah, yeah smart, smarter people than us are pondering this, and uh, it's like you always say, you know, we don't, we, don't, we don't have a ton of medical expertise to tell you stuff about pandemics, but when you watch the people who do talk about it, Dr. Fauci says, you don't make the timeline, the virus makes the timeline. So when I hear Mark Harlan say, well, when we are talking, you know, all the Pac-12 athletic directors, uh, we're talking, and they got five plans. It's because uh, they don't know which timeline it's going to be. But I guess we can get right. to Kirk Herbstreet in the question. The question for all of you out there now is uh, with Kirk Herbstreet talking about the difficulties, the NFL, the uh, college football, all the guys together in a locker room, all the fans together in the stadium. And then Kirk talking a little bit about the liability of it all, saying, man, if someone did get sick and something did sweep through it, you know, the liability, can you imagine having that happen on your watch? So uh, virus could cancel a college football season. What do you think of that? How much would that suck? Your reaction to that? And uh, (laughs) John says, uh, It'll only be canceled after they get our money for season tickets. Then they'll give us credit for the next season. Isn't that how that works? John going right to the bottom line. (laughs) 
Well, I mean, there's something to be said for that because I've got some concerts coming up. I've already had one. Zach Brown was canceled or postponed anyway last Thursday. And I've got... Uh, I've got one coming up in April. I've got uh, a couple in May. And so uh, you wonder on your money deal, do they do that? And my sister had one uh, a couple years back with Bob Seeger, and he had some back issues, and he had to cancel. And uh, she, I think she got them through StubHub, and they just said, okay, we'll just credit you. She said, no, 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 I want the money back because I can't go when the thing is rescheduled and she had to go back and forth on that and so i think eventually she got them taken care of but you know that's what they want to do is they want to just forward it to the next purchase or something so they still have their money and uh, so she uh, you, you you think i'm the way i am and i am the way i am well, she lived in New Jersey much longer than I did. She's way older. <laughs> she's way older than me. So you're saying she's hold the, on what? She's the way she is more than you are the way you are, and you'll plead guilty to being the way you are. This is a souped-up version of PK. <laughs> well, think about it. I moved to Phoenix when I was 14, right? She moved when she was almost 30. <laughs> so <laughs> she was the last one. This one that I'm speaking of was the last of our group to move, too. Uh, my one sister moved out, and then I moved out. My parents shipped me out so I could start freshman year. And then six months later, they moved out. So I lived with my sister for six months because, as I say, they were way older than I am. And uh, so she was married, and I lived with her. And then six months later, my parents came because they sell the house and blah, blah, blah. And then, although, although, get this, they moved to Phoenix with no jobs. Can you imagine that, doing that today? Okay, I've always <laughs> wanted to get into this, but it's your personal business. But I just can't believe your family moved. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, it, it yeah. just, it stuns me. It's a, it's and, and so did, move, did huh? your first sister go for a job? No. No, she went for a husband, which turned out to be an ill-fated marriage, and which was good because we all hated him. But that's another story. Uh, and and there's, the, since, she, there's the jersey right there. <laughs> she's remarried and been mar- remarried for 35 years now. And they say the second marriage, you have a higher chance of divorce percentage-wise. And uh, my, my brother-in-law, cousin of... Uh, uh, what Don Imus, by the way, his last name literally is Imus, and uh, so no, they've been married for 35 years, and he's top of the line. Love the guy, absolutely love him. So uh, anyway, so she they moved because my 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 sister's first husband had some family in the Phoenix area, and they moved out, and then uh, my parents decided they wanted to. Probably three years later, then then they sent me, and then my other sister was uh, four years after that. I can remember it specifically because she was there for my high school graduation and they, she was a teacher and they told the, if you leave to go to this graduation, we're going to fire you. She says, oh yeah, I got your firing right here. And uh, so they were anticipating that they were going to stay, which they did. So they moved. Uh, but yeah, so she She's way, way more Jersey than I am. Oh, my gosh. If you were around either of my sisters, you would say, wow, PK, you're a puppy. <laughs> I honestly, after all these years and all these stories, I would like to hang out with your sisters. I think it would be awesome to sit around and watch football one Saturday, watch Cardinals games one Sunday. I think it would be hilarious. Come back with a full report for the listening audience. Oh, you could, you could talk to Monson. He had dinner with them once. Oh, yeah? Uh, we went over, yeah, yeah, we were down for one of the, some game. Yeah. Uh, Utah at issue yeah, or think, something, oh, something yeah. along those lines uh, over the years. I can't remember. I don't even remember the game, actually. And uh, so the six of us uh, went to my sister's house. And my one sister cooks Italian food. My other sister doesn't cook it at all, but my one sister cooks it really, really good. Well, so that'd be great. But I'd even, you know, I'd go out for burgers or Mexican food or whatever. Yeah. I don't care. I just, Which I think it'd done. be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would so, be wildly entertained by this. So they got the money back on that. Yeah. So money is an issue, and so that's uh, to that first comment. Yeah, that's a, that's a, an issue there, uh, as far as that goes. Uh, and the, one of the things, you know, there's a lot of things to, to love about. I love the job. I've said it a million times. It's my dream job. Maybe I didn't set my dreams high enough, but nevertheless, it was either 
played third base for the Dodgers or do this. And so uh, I'm ecstatic that I can still do it after all these years. Uh, and one of the reasons why is because we have an incredible community that rallies around college football. It's awesome. I mean, I think it's – I haven't been to all the places, but through work, I've been to a lot of the places. And the passion that we have collectively, and then to have the rivalry, and now to have Utah State be a pretty good football team, and Weber State's got it going on, Jay Hill's done a phenomenal job there, and to have the passion that we have for college football. I absolutely love it, because when I moved to Arizona, there was two things. You had the Suns, and you had ASU football. That was the two things, and that's how I got hooked on when I went to ASU is because it was such a big deal at the time. It's not near the big deal that it used to be because it was the only show in town when it came to football before basketball started. So it's, I, I went back to the future in terms of my community. I lived in the Phoenix area, and that's what we had, and then I moved to Salt Lake, and that's what we have, <laughs> college football and the NBA. So it's the same type of thing, and I absolutely love it. And to have even one, one game be impacted – would be an outrageous shame. Now, I get it. It's relative to health, so it's very important. But our community loves college football. We've been one of the few stations that has been there from day one on Pac-12 Media Day. And not just that, we go to Mountain West Media Day and we go to BYU Media Day. We're the only sports radio station that does all three. There's not another one and there has never been another one. We do all three because college football is a big, big deal in our community. And so I would think it would be a tremendous blow. We understand the reasoning, but nevertheless, it would still be a tremendous blow. We've got more reaction to uh, Kirk, Herb, Kirk Herbstreet, ESPN analyst, saying that uh, he could see the football season, both college and pro, in real danger because of the coronavirus. Uh, Jake's reaction on our Facebook page, you can hit us up, DJ and PK on Facebook, David DJ James on Twitter. Jake says, uh, and, and there's a couple uh, along these lines. Ryan says, Kirk Herbstreet is an epidemiologist, question mark. And uh, Jake says, I think it's very negative. This coronavirus crept up very fast overnight. Hopefully it'll go away as uh, fast as it crept up. So people hoping it won't be impacted, people uh, questioning his uh, credentials. And Don, who says, Kirk needs to stay in his lane and quit contributing to the widespread panic. Focus on what you're good at, like picking front runners. And he got a couple, got a couple Jeez. thumbs up for that. Picking front runners, yeah. Picking front runners. Uh, well, I, I, I do think uh, as far as that goes, you know, I get so excited on college football, and then as the season goes along, it just does seem like we're talking about the same four or five teams as far as the playoff every year. So I get, I mean, I love it, but. I've come to the grips where, you know, the front runners, the, it, it's, it's like a radio station. Kevin Graham used to say, we play the hits. Yep. You know what I mean? So we don't spend as much time, we don't spend hardly any time talking about Weber, even though they deserve it, because the majority of people want to talk about Utah, BYU, and then Utah State to a lesser extent. So that's what we talk about. So we're just as guilty as anybody. And so Herb Street, I think those guys do the same thing. Is that when you get Dana down Clemson. to it. Yeah, right. When you get deep into November, it seems like when you turn on college game day, that's who they're talking about. Uh, so I'm, I'm able to, to compartmentalize. And for me, you know, with the uh, Aggies and Cougars doing their thing and then the Pac-10 slash 12 now has always been my first love. And so I really don't care about that other stuff. I mean, I accept it for what it is, but I root for our conference and the teams there and I can watch any Pac-12 game at any point. And I understand that. So I, I don't think that he's sounding alarm. I think he, he was probably asked a question, and he put it out there. I don't think he's claiming to be an expert. It's just his gut feeling, and that's the what he feels. And I don't think it's to where he's in panic mode by any stretch. It's just we may – who's to say at that point? I think that we'll all accept – if we get to September and at least we have some normalcy of everyday life, but they're telling us don't gather in crowds of over 500 to pick an arbitrary number. Okay. So we deal with that, but most of our day-to-day life has been restored. When you put it on the grand scheme of things, you know, I would live with that. It would still be a shame. And he's floating those ideas. And I think that's what Mark Harlan is talking about right now. So they're having those discussions I mean, Harlan's not in the position where he can say things publicly, but Herbstreet can say whatever he wants publicly. 
basically. And so he puts that out there. But listening to your interview with Mark Harlan, that's already something that they're discussing. It's a possibility. Yeah. And I I just think a guy like Kirk Herbstreet, with the access you get when you're calling the games he's doing and when he's on ESPN, coaches want, not, not all, but there's a large chunk of coaches who want to get their spin out and they will talk and text privately with someone of Kirk Herbstreet's stature. We get to have private conversations with coaches here, but he gets to do it on a national level. And so when Mark Harlan says, hey, we're looking at multiple plans, it's being considered. And Mark speaks as they're doing this in a group. You know, you're not going out and saying, I'm the guy and I'm telling the Pac-12 what to do. So there's 12 people. Well, I don't know that Kirk Herbstreet knows all 12 of these, nor do I think he's texting with all 12 of them, but he's texting with some ADs across the country. He's texting with some coaches across the country. When he said it, I don't think it's a 100% informed opinion because he's not an epidemiologist and the virus does set the timeline. But I also don't think that he just brought that up out of thin air. You know, we think it now because, uh, you know, we've heard from Mark Harlan. Well, he thinks it because he's heard from Coach X and ADY, maybe conference commissioner or something along the way, too, because he's of that stature. So there's something to it. I I wouldn't write it in stone yet. I don't think we should be looking at it like that. But we definitely have to be that it's wear out. And then depending on how things are when you get there, you know, they'll make the decision and it might be the right call. Plus, I got one other reason. Uh, Kirk Herbstreet uh, lives in Nashville now, and he's a big-time Kenny Chesney fan. And we, I can tell you, Dave, from firsthand experience, big-time Kenny Chesney fans, they're reputable people, and that's really all you need to know. Is Kenny Chesney the one that your wife made the heart and he pointed at her? Who was that? Yes, we were down at the Hard Rock in Vegas, where it's a very small, although they're now redoing it, I don't even know if they're going to have it because the casino is closed, but at the time, it had like 2,000 people in there, and we were right by the stage, yeah, and people were trying to slap his hand. I slapped his hand, and she made the heart sign, and he pulled back in the middle of the song and very tenderly and emotionally pulled the mic away from his mouth in the middle of the tune and mouthed the watch. We could hear him because we were not more than two feet away, and he said it's sincere, heartfelt thank you. And I'm looking, who's Kenny talking to? And my wife had the biggest gleam about her. I had never seen that before. <laughs> i got to talk to her about that the next time we go golfing. I don't know when that'll be, but whenever it is, I'm bringing it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she, she communicated with Kenny right in the middle of a show. <laughs> that is classic. All right, DJ yeah. PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Well, we've been talking college football. Yach, have you been busy? Is Jordan Pendleton rescheduling? Is that how that's working out? Yeah. He said something come up? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we promised Jordan Pendleton at 8. He'll be on tomorrow. All right. All right. Well, we'll bump that back. We've got uh, Steve Cleveland, basketball insider, uh, coming up at 9 o'clock. We've got more of your reaction to Kirk Herbstreet on the way. Stay with us. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Homie. Buying or selling a home, Homie will give you up to $5,000 back to help you with closing costs and fees. Remember, it's simple to get started with Homie. See more at homie.com. All right, we got a lot of people weighing in on uh, Kirk Herbstreet saying that uh, he can see where college and pro football just can't play this fall, that it could, uh, it could all be gone. And we heard from Mark Harlan Earlier in an interview I taped for Talking Sports, and we played some of it here this morning, that uh, they've got multiple scenarios out there for spring football and for football in the fall. They know they have to start looking at it and analyzing it. So your reaction to that, and while there were some people who were upset that Kirk threw it up there, uh, there were others who were uh, pleading and uh, making deals. Kevin states the obvious, it would suck, but not as much as dying from the virus. That would really suck. Monty gives Kevin an amen. Uh, And then uh, Nick. Nick is ready to make deals. Take anything. Take anything but the football season. 
That goes back to your uh, the, the local passion here for college football. People rally around it, not not just the game, but you know, going and hanging out with friends before the game or after the game, depending on when the game kicks off, I guess. Uh, you know, tailgating or whatever, going to watch games together, even if you aren't going to the games. You know, going out and get something to eat at some place that's got the game on. All of that, people look forward to it big time. Oh yeah, no matter what you're doing that day. I mean, I've been in all those situations. Uh, I've been just a fan at home, and you plan your whole day about around it. Obviously, I've been to many, many stadiums over the years, big-time stadiums in the Big Ten, in the ACC, in the SEC, pretty much everywhere you can go. You know, I'm your Johnny Cash, and that's, that's a lot of fun for me. I mean, I absolutely love all those trips. I've, I've never had a bad time. And... So you got that going on, and then in the stadium. And then I've gone to uh, sports bars and watched them, and whether it's Wild Wings or wherever. And that's really cool to be in a town where the hometown team is playing and they are watching. We were there, you and I, uh, we went and covered uh, BYU. Milwaukee. Was in the NCAAs in Milwaukee. Yep. And we went to the sports bar. Goolsby. And... <laughs> and Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Milwaukee was playing. Uh huh. And it was chaos. <laughs> it was yeah. Packed. It was just so fun. And I've been in those situations a million times. One time, BYU played Notre Dame, and uh, me, Gordon, and, and Kevin Graham were covering it for our three respective uh, institutions that we were representing. And we went after he knew a place in South Bend because he'd been there for work and all. We went to a sports bar and the World Series was on and the White Sox were in. And, you know, South Bend is basically a suburb of Chicago. So the place was just packed with White Sox fans, right? And that was the year they won that thing. I don't even remember who they were playing, but I know they, they won the World Series, right? I think they did anyway. And so you get in those situations. I've been in every conceivable situation, and it is just absolutely awesome. And to not have that, yeah, I mean, we get that real life. We're not, is, sports is not real life. We're not, we're not, we, don't, we rarely discuss real life situations in uh on our station and particularly on our show you know we're trying to have some fun here and get into some good discussion and then when all else fails i either sing or make fun of you and away we go and so i mean that's our formula and it's not compared to real life but yeah to not have it i would barter too haven't we all done that we barter with some form of deity (laughs) who's probably up there thinking oh no not again (laughs) you again (laughs) Really? (laughs) Really? Yeah, yeah. If you do this, I promise not to do that. (laughs) Hey, if you just let me have this, I'll do this, this, and this. You're pathetic. I know. Whether you believe in it or not. You're pathetic. I know. I made you. (laughs) Right. To all these levels, we go. So, yeah. Oh, I I would be crushed. And I would be, for me, I've always been more of a college fan. Then and not, not always, but since I moved to Arizona, because in the Northeast it was all about the pro teams, and it still is for that in that matter. But you know, I've always thought with the pros, to an extent, not not completely by any stretch, but you can get back some of the stuff you missed, and here you, you can't get it back. At, at, at the, at, I, I feel for these high schools seniors really really bad for these high school seniors i went and watched corner canyon play baseball earlier in the month and it's the first time I'd, i had done that and you know i talk about my wife teaches over there and i, I met the coach he actually played minor league ball and uh I, I took about literally one inning and i said to and i later spoke, later spoke to the coach about it i said this shortstop kid i can tell he just loves the game and you just—he was having the time of his life being out on that field, and I could tell it. I could tell just by watching one inning. And I talked to the coach. He says, "Yeah, the kid's an outstanding kid. I don't—I don't know the kid's name. If I did, I'd repeat it." And those are the kind of types of kids that you know you really feel bad for because this thing is slipping away, and it's not coming back. And it's the same type of premise there for the college season. It, it could potentially slip away, and that would just be awful because so many of us have so much fun around this, 
and it is a great time. And it goes far beyond the actual game, too. In a sense, football, college football in our community, it's about families. It's about relationships. It's about having a good time. If your team wins, which you know the Utes did at a very high level last year, all the better. Or if you get a thrilling win like the Cougars had, against USC. I was there for that game. And to be on that field, yak, I think you were there too, to be out on that field and to feel the passion and all that stuff, that's a fun, fun time. And to have that be denied would just be absolutely awful. You know, when I was uh, playing high school basketball, not very well for a team that wasn't very good. I don't want to oversell it. Uh, but there, there was a coaching change. Uh, the varsity coach, my junior, I was on the varsity junior year, but I was, I was just there to practice. I only got in in garbage time. And uh, the coach, midway through the year, the baseball coach at our school quit. The basketball coach, he liked basketball, but he loved baseball. So he applied for the baseball job, and he got it midseason. We all knew he was gone. And so there was this, uh, the last um, probably month and a half, two months of the basketball season, we knew he was going to be the baseball coach, and this was his last year. And then for about a month or six weeks after the season, they had the job search. So there was like three months of who's going to get the job. And it became clear in the gossip circles that uh, it was one of two guys, and one guy was the JV coach, so I knew him, and he liked me. And another guy had been a uh, uh, hard bleep coach. (laughs) Nice edit. uh, At another school and had sat out for a year and was maybe taking our job. And he came to our, there was a spring league thing we played in at this big gym down in Balboa Park. Muni Gym's got four courts side by side. It's this huge barn. And and everybody from, in those days, everybody from all over the county came and played uh, because AAU hadn't taken off yet. And he sat and watched our games, and we, uh, there was a rumor going around, and I totally believed it, and I think it was true, was that he was going to cut all of the seniors and just build for the future and play sophomores and juniors. And so those of us in the senior class, and there were about you know five of us who had invested all this time and all these years, and this was going to be our big year, <laughs> and we were all like, oh, that would be brutal to put in all this time and then not get your senior year. And so when, when all this got canceled a couple of weeks ago, I thought back to that. And they ended up hiring my JV coach, thank goodness. And so I got to play. And, um, but the, the dread of not getting a senior year, I mean, I dread it for three months, and it turned out I was worrying about nothing because I did get a senior year playing on the team. And it's easy to kind of put yourself in the shoes of all these uh, athletes, whatever their sport is, that aren't getting it. You know, as soon as you were talking about the kid, that kid at shortstop, he came like, that was me. I mean, it's not that I was any good, but I loved it. It was a blast. You know, we lost way more than we won, but it's a blast to be out there playing. So hopefully it'll work yeah. out. But it's like you said, there's a listen to Kirk Herbstreet and then listen to Mark Harlan. You realize, yeah, there's a possibility. All right, DJ and PK. More coming up. Steve Cleveland in an hour on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.